Hola! Welcome to this week's podcast. Hello. <laughs> we are the Serial Squad. Reading through a couple of chapters of A Court of Thorns and Roses. Yes. yes. We'll just be going through the first couple chapters and, you know, we'll do a little read-along and then we'll stop and discuss as we go and then maybe afterwards we'll have a bigger discussion. We'll just... Discuss our opinions on it since we both have already, all three of us have already read all the way through the entire series. Almost. Almost. Sadina hasn't read all of the very last Sadina! A Court of Silver Flames. She's still working on it. It's fine. Just because me and you can read it in one sitting is... (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, to be fair, to be fair, took me a while to get through the last book, too. I had, I took multiple hiatuses. Uh Uh-uh, not me. I just sat down, and I read almost (laughs) all the way through it, and I had to put it down because it was time to go to sleep, like, four hours ago, and then the next day I got home and I finished it from work, next time I got home from work and I finished it, so. Well, I've been listening to it on Audible, and they changed narrators, and so that that kind of, yeah. That, that kind of got to me because I was like, this yeah, is the same Yeah, if you're going to listen to an entire series, you gotta <laughs> you got to have the whole series read by the same person. Otherwise, it's like you got to, it's like, you're not be the person to. in my head. Exactly. Like, you're not the voice I imagine reading this. It's just like, eh, I wouldn't yeah. be able to either. So, so it's taken me a little bit. I'm only on chapter 16 on the last one, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Slowly but surely. All right, so without further ado, Sydney Sydney is going to read a little bit. Sydney! And then are we going to go through a couple of pages and then stop and talk about it or go through the entire chapter and then stop and talk? Well, I feel really, like, just as I'm reading, just make comments. Mm -hmm. Like, just, like, like, let's say, like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Collaborate and listen. I said that with you. Anyways. No, but, like, let's say, like, I get through, like... A paragraph, and like you have a thought that comes to mind after that, like you just immediately say it out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, because like we want like our entire opinion, you know, on this. Because us three already reading this, we can be like, ah, oh, that was a dumbass decision, or like, or you know, we can just it's just going through it. Does that feel? Yeah, Gucci, Gucci, okay. Gucci. All right, you are listening to. A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass. Mass. <laughs> How do you say her last name? Ch- Mass? Ch- chapter Mass? one. Narrated by Sydney Egner. Ew. <laughs> I'm going to apologize beforehand for my voice. Anyways. I don't exactly think, I don't, I don't believe I have. That's my bookmark! Oh, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> the forest had become a labyrinth of snow and ice. I'd been monitoring the parameters of the thicket for an hour, and my vantage point of the crook of a tree branch had turned useless. The gusting wind blew thick flurries to sweep away my tracks, but buried along with them any sign of potential quarry. Hunger had brought me further from home than I usually risked, but winter was the hard time. The animals had pulled in, going deeper into the woods than I could follow, leaving me to pick off stragglers one by one, praying they'd last until spring. They hadn't. I wiped my numb fingers over my eyes, brushing away the flakes clinging to my lashes. Here there were no telltale signs stripped whoops. Here there were no telltale trees stripped of bark to mark the deer's passing. They hadn't yet moved on. They would remain until the bark ran out, then travel north past the wolf's territory and perhaps into the fairylands of Perinthian, where no mortals would dare go, not unless they had a death wish. 
A shudder skittered down my spine at the thought, and I shoved it away, focusing on my surroundings, on the task ahead. That was all I could do, and I've been able to do it all I've been able to do for years. Focus on surviving the week, the day, the hour ahead. And now, with the snow, I'd be lucky to spot anything, especially from my position up in the tree, scarcely able to see fifteen feet ahead, stifling a groan as my stiff limbs protested at the movement I unstrung my bow before easing off the tree. The icy snow crunched under my fraying boots, and I ground my teeth. Low visibility, unnecessary noise, I was well on my way to yet another fruitless hunt. Only a few hours of daylight remained. If I didn't leave soon, I'd have to navigate my way home in the dark, and the warnings of the town hunters still rang fresh in my mind. Giant wolves were on the prowl, and in numbers. Not to mention- Jesus Christ, Frankie! (laughs) Frankie is the cat. (laughs) You scared the shit out of me! Well, I was starting to get into it, and then Frankie's tail just smacked me in the leg, and I was like, what the hell just touched me? Not to mention. No, like, seriously, like, hurt my chest. That's how bad my heart jumped. Frankie, apologize. I have a health condition, Frankie. Anyways, where'd I leave off? Not to mention. Not to mention whispers of strange folks flooded in the area. Tall and eerie and deadly. Anything but fairies, the hunters had beseeched our long-forgotten gods, and I had secretly prayed alongside them. In the eight years we'd been living in our village, two days' journey from the immortal border of Corinthian, we'd been stuck in attack. We'd been spared an attack, though traveling peddlers sometimes brought stories of distant border towns left in splinters and bones and ashes. These accounts, once rare enough to be dismissed by the village elder as hearsay, had in recent months become commonplace whisperings on every day, on every market day. What is so funny, you two? Am I doing a bad job? <laughs> Teacher, she's making faces at me. Serena. <laughs> she was tickling Bania. my yeah, I was tickling oh, You were tickling her. Serena. Hey. Don't t- <laughs> Carry on. Uh, children, the Car- lot of you. Carry on. Anyways. <clears throat> I had risked much in coming so far into the forest, but we'd finished our last loaf of bread yesterday, and the remainder of our dried meat the day before. Still, I would have rather spent another night with a hungry belly than found myself satisfying the appetite of a wolf. Or a okay. fairy. I have a comment to make. Or a fairy. <laughs> <laughs> Finish my sentence. Okay, sorry. I'm fine. <laughs> um, let's... Go over the fact that Farah is what nineteen at this point? Seventeen? Yeah. Nineteen? I think she's nineteen in this at this point. Um I think it says a few pages in, maybe. I don't know. She I don't know. I just she's very brave. She's nineteen. For, for going out into the woods alone. It's one year less than and she had I mean has it already said that she's been doing this for mm-hmm. no. Okay. Well she says so. she's been doing it for years, but it doesn't specify how long. Yeah. Okay, so, just keep in mind... Oh, wait, does it? We just freaking read it, so we should know, but, you know... Yeah, we don't pay attention. Um, she's just... I don't know. I admire her, um, gumption. Because I know... I definitely would not be... Gucci hunting in the middle of winter when it's freezing cold outside. 
and you have to provide for your, your family. Well, obviously that would be like a, a really good like motivator or whatever, but anyways. Oh, it says in the eight years we'd been living in our village. Yeah. Anyways. She's just brave. Yeah, I think it's a really honestly brave thing to do because she's the Taking sole care of her whole family. The sole provider of her family and she's the youngest one. Mm. I think well, whenever we get further in, I'll yeah. let I'll elaborate. I'll elaborate for everyone. <laughs> but I just think it's you know, she's the sole provider and I think it's bullshit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to cuss, but it just is part of my normal vocabulary. Yeah, yeah you're fine. People who listen to the podcast beforehand uh, will know that we add goat noises to the cuss words. Yeah, it's also true, but I'm just... It'd be really funny, too. Yeah, I mean, just all of a sudden you just hear a little, you know, like, goat bleat or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded just like it. Timmy! Okay. <laughs> be like, was that, she is was that one? Or was that just... We're making that noise. We'll never know. We'll never know. Okay, I'll go ahead and back. <laughs> Still, I would have rather spent another night with a hungry belly than found myself satisfying the appetite of a wolf or a fairy. Not that there was much for me to feast on. I'd turned gangly by this time of the year and could count a good number of my ribs. Moving as nimbly and quietly as I could between the trees, I pushed a hand against my hollow and aching stomach. I knew the expression that would be on my two elder sisters' faces when I returned to our cottage empty-handed yet again. Still, two elder sister faces. What are they doing to help? Exactly. She's been out there literally all day. They have nothing to say. Even if she come, even if she came home without food. Like, yes, I would be hungry, but I would be grateful that she was out there doing that. The only way I would not be out there helping her is if there was something seriously wrong right. with me to stop me from going out yeah. there. But, I don't know. Like, if you had, had... If, if like, I had, like, a broken leg and I had to wait for it to heal or something, and then I would be out there. Right. Yeah. Again, after it healed. But, like, I'm the oldest sister. I have two younger sisters, so, like, it, I would take it upon myself mm-hmm. to help. I would not... But it's, like, me making Meredith go out. Right. My youngest sister, who's 14 at the time, and her go out and hunt in the woods all day in snow. Like, mm-hmm. no, I would not. By herself, no. where there's giant wolves and... Yeah. <clears throat> Delicious looking fairies. Oh my god. <laughs> she said it. After a few minutes of careful searching, I crouched in a cluster of snow-heavy brambles. Through the thorns, I had a half-decent view of a clearing and a small brook flowing through it. A few holes in the ice suggested that it was still frequently used. Hopefully, something would come by. Hopefully. I sighed through my nose, digging the tip of my bow into the ground, and leaned my forehead against the, cur- the crude car- curve of wood. The crude curve of wood. Tongue twister. We wouldn't last another week without food, and too many families had already started begging for me begging for me to hope for handouts from the wealthier townsfolk. What? <laughs> I'd witnessed firsthand exactly how far their charity went. I eased into a more comfortable comfortable position and calmed my breathing, straining to listen to the forest over the wind. The snow fell and fell, dancing and curling like sparkling spindrifts, the white fresh and clean against the brown and gray of the world. And despite myself, despite my numb limbs, 
I quieted the, that relentless, vicious part of my mind to make to take in the snow-veiled woods. Once it had been second nature to savor the contrast of new grass against dark, tilled soil, or an amethyst brooch nestled in folds of emerald, emerald silk. Once I dreamed of and breathed and thought in every color and light and shape. Sometimes I would even indulge in envisioning a day when my sisters were married and it was only me and father with enough food to go around, enough money to buy some paint, and enough time to put those colors and shapes down on paper or canvas or the cottage walls. Not likely to happen any time soon, perhaps ever. So I was left with moments like this, admiring the glint of pale winter light on snow. I couldn't remember the last time I'd done it, bothered to notice anything lovely or interesting. Stolen hours in a decrepit barn with Isaac Hale didn't count. Those times were hungry and empty and sometimes cruel, but never lovely. The howling wind calmed into a soft sighing. The snow fell lazily now, in big, fat clumps that gathered along every nook and bump of the trees. Mesmerizing, the lethal, gentle beauty of the snow. I'd soon have to return to the muddy, frozen roads of the village, to the cramped heat of our cottage. Of our cottage. Some small, fragmented part of me re recoiled at the thought. Bushes, bushes rustled <clears throat> across the clearing. Drawing my bow was a matter of instinct, and I peered through the, the thorns, and my breath caught. Less than thirty paces away was a small doe. Not yet too scrawny from winter, but desperate enough to wrench bark from a tree in the clearing. A deer like that could feed my family for a week or more. My mouth watered. Quiet as the wind hissing through the dead leaves, I took aim. She continued tearing off strips of bark, chewing slowly, utterly unaware that her death waited yards away. I could dry half the meat and we could immediately eat the rest. Stews, pies. Her skin could be sold, or perhaps turned into clothing for one of us. I needed new boots, but Elaine needed a new cloak, and Nesta was prone to crave anything someone else possessed. My fingers trembled. So much food, such salvation. I took a steadying breath, double-checking my aim. But there was a pair of golden eyes shining from the bush adjacent to mine. The forest went silent. The wind died. Even the snow paused. We mortals no longer kept gods to worship, but if I had known their lost names, I would have prayed to them. All of them. Concealed in the thicket, the wolf inched closer, its gaze set on the oblivious doe. He was enormous, the size of a pony, and though I had been warned about their presence, my mouth turned bone dry. <clears throat> but worse than his size was his unnatural stealth. Even as he inched closer in the brush, he remained unheard, unspotted by the doe. No animal that massive could be so quiet, but if he was no ordinary animal, if he was of a Perinthian origin, if he was somehow a fairy, then being eaten was the least of my concerns. If he was a fairy, I should already be running. Yet maybe, maybe it would be a favor to the world, to my village, to myself, to kill him while I remained undetected. Putting an arrow through his eye would be no burden. But despite his size, he looked like a wolf, moved like a wolf. Animal, I reassured myself, just an animal. I didn't let myself consider the alternative, not when, you, when I needed my head clear, my breathing steady. I had a hunting knife and three arrows. The first two were ordinary arrows, simple, inefficient, and likely no more than bee stings to a wolf that size. But the third arrow, the longest and heaviest one, I'd bought from a traveling peddler during a summer when he'd had enough coppers for e when we'd had enough coppers for, for extra luxuries. 
an arrow carved from mountain ash, armed with an iron head. From songs sung to us, us. From songs sung to us as lullabies over our cradles, we all knew from infancies that fairies hated iron, but it was the ash wood that made their immortal healing magic falter long enough for a human to make a killing blow, <clears throat> or so legend and rumor claimed. I'd seen drawings of the trees, but never one with my own eyes, not after the high fae had burned them all long ago. So few remained, most of them small and sickly and hidden by the nobility within high wild groves. I spent weeks after my purchase debating whether that overpriced bit of wood had been a waste of money or a fake, and for three years that ash arrow had sat, unused, in my quiver. Now I drew it, keeping my movements minimal, efficient, anything to avoid that monstrous wolf looking in my direction. The arrow was long and heavy enough to inflict damage, possibly kill him if I aimed right. My chest became so tight it ached. And in that moment, I realized my life boiled down to one question. Was the wolf alone? Dun, dun, Was he? Dun! Mm. Find out in the next episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I gripped my bow and drew the string farther back. I was a decent shot, but I'd never faced a wolf. I thought it made me lucky, even blessed. But now, I didn't know where to hit or how fast they moved. I couldn't afford to miss, not when I had only one ash arrow. And if it was indeed a fairy's heart pounding under that fur, then good riddance. Good riddance, after all their kind had done to us, I wouldn't risk this one later creeping into our village to slaughter and maim and torment. Let him die here and now, I'd be glad to end him. The wolf crept closer, and a twig snapped beneath one of his paws, each bigger than my hand. The doe went rigid. She glanced to either side, ears straining towards the gray sky. With the wolf's downwind position, she couldn't see or smell him. <clears throat> his head lowered and his massive silver body, so perfectly blended into the snow and shadows, sank onto its haunches. The doe was still staring in the wrong direction. I glanced from the doe to the wolf and back again. At least he was alone. At least I'd been, I'd been spared that much. But if the wolf scared the doe off, I was left with nothing but a starving, oversized wolf, possibly a fairy, looking for the next best meal. And if he killed her, destroying precious amounts of hide and fat. If I judged wrongly, my life wasn't the only one that would be lost. But my life had been reduced to nothing but risks these past eight years that I had been hunting in the woods. And I had picked correctly most of the time. Most of the time. So at this point, I just confirmed that she's been... In the woods for eight years hunting and providing for her family. So, <clears throat> if she's 19, 19 minus 8, she's been doing this since she was 11? Wow. 19 minus 8 is 10. No. 11. 10, 19 minus 8, yeah. It's 11. So, she's been doing this since she was 11? Yeah. Well, yeah. My math is off. 11, 12, 13. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, let's see, I'm trying to remember how old Nesta is. Nesta is 23, isn't she? Because, 24, because Elaine is 22. So she's four, five years older than Feyre. <sighs> well, and there's some more... A grown-ass woman. Yeah. There's some more, um, like, facts that will be heard, like, later on, but, like... 
I have a hard time sometimes not being angry towards both Nesta and Elaine because of their lack of care, knowledge, the lack of care, the lack of empathy. Yeah. Or like just really anything. Like they didn't really even try at all. Not to mention their dad. Like when did we get me started with my dad? Yeah. Like, I don't know. We'll and get more into that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll get more into that later. For sure. I don't know. It's just... That would be like... Like, uh... Sydney going out and hunting while you and I stay in the cabin. Mm-hmm. And I'd been doing it for eight years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm four years older than you. Mm-hmm. You're six years older than her. You're ten years older than me. Yep. <laughs> the wolf shot from the brush in a flash of gray and white and black his yellow fangs gleaming he was he was even more gargantuan in the open a marvel of muscle and speed and brute strength the doe didn't stand a chance i fired the ash arrow before he destroyed much else of her the arrow found its mark in his side and i could have sworn the ground itself shuddered he barked in pain releasing the doe's neck as his blood sprayed on the snow so ruby bright. He whirled toward me, those yellow eyes wide, hackles raised, his low growl reverberated reverberated in the empty pit of my stomach as I surged to my feet, snow churning around me, another arrow drawn. But the wolf merely looked at me, his maw stained with blood, my ash arrow protruding so vulgarly from his side. The snow began falling again. He looked, and with a sort of awareness and surprise that made me fire the second arrow, just in case. Just in case that intelligence was of the immortal, wicked sort. He didn't try to dodge the arrow as it went clean through his wide, yellow eye. He collapsed to the ground. Color and darkness whirled, eddying in my vision, mixing with the snow. His legs were twitching, and a low whine sliced through the wind. Impossible. He should be dead, not dying. The arrow was through his eye, almost to the goose fletching. But wolf or fairy, it didn't matter. Not with that ash arrow buried in his side. He'd be dead soon enough. Still, my hands shook as I brushed off snow and edged closer, still keeping a good distance. Blood gushed from the wounds I'd given him, staining the snow crimson. He pawed at the ground, his breathing already slowing. Was he in much pain, or was his whimper just in his attempt to shove death away? I wasn't sure I wanted to know. The snow swirled around us. I stared at him until the coat of charcoal and obsidian and ivory ceased rising and falling. Wolf. Definitely just a wolf, despite his size. The tightness in my chest eased, and I loosed a sigh, my breath clouding in front of me. At least the ash arrow had proved itself to be lethal, regardless of who or what it took down. A rapid examination of the doe told me I could carry only one animal, and even that would be a struggle. But it was a shame to leave the wolf, though it was wasted precious minutes. Though it wasted precious minutes, minutes during which any predator could smell the fresh blood. I skinned him and cleaned my arrows as best I could. If anything, it warmed my hands. I wrapped the bloody side of his pelt around the doe's death wound before I hoisted her across my shoulders. Okay, have either one of you ever skinned an animal? No. Yes. Okay, how difficult is it to skin an animal like a deer? 
I've know. never done it personally, which is probably not a surprise to most people that listen to this podcast, but... <laughs> Uh, to skin a deer, um, first of all, you have to have the right kind of knife. Yeah, because you um, can only go through the skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't go into the muscle. Um, so basically, very you have sharp. to make like a very yeah, very sharp knife, but a small incision first, and then make sure you're in between the skin and the little fibers that connect the skin to the muscle, and you mm-hmm. have to cut those fibers away. And then you fold it up and cut the fibers and keep folding as you're cutting. Right. I mean, I, like, I've seen it done in the movies or whatever, you know, but, like, take a lot of skill. size of a pony? hmm A wolf the size of a yeah, pony. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but you also don't skin the legs. You just skin the body. Yeah, you leave the legs. You leave but... the legs and the neck, basically. You just take the body. And the tail. Craziness. Yeah. Even though she was like scrawny, I'm sure that took a lot of. Yeah, she was saying you can see her bones and stuff. The size of a pony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, doing that in the cold was probably yeah. nice and warm for her to do that, though, because a freshly killed animal on your <clears throat> hands, I'm pretty sure she didn't have very good gloves. Probably not. She didn't um, have gloves at all. Yeah. It was probably very she warm said that on her, her hands. Her hands are like numb. Yeah. She was like early onset uh, arthritis. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> early onset arthritis. Frostbite. <laughs> but she has early onset frostbite. Yeah. That's probably Frost very, giant. very warm and, you know, kind of nasty. But at the same time, the blood from that kind of probably made her hands warmer. It probably warmed them way up. It was probably like shockingly hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For how cold her hands would have to be. Steamy. Especially since it's snowing. Mm-hmm. This vast temperature difference. If anything, it warmed my hands. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it says right there. <laughs> yeah, I wrapped the bloody side of his pelt around the doe's death wound before I hoisted her across my shoulders. It was several miles back to our cottage, and I didn't need a trail of blood leading every animal with fangs and claws straight to me. Grunting against the weight, I grasped the legs of the deer and spared a final glance at the steaming carcass of the wolf. His remaining golden eye now stared at the snow-heavy sky, and for a moment... I wished I had it in me to feel remorse for the dead thing. But this was the forest, and it was winter. Ooh, mysterious. Bear don't give a shit! No. So... Survival of the fittest. She had to take... You know... What she took off the wolf... Carried it several miles... In the cold, in the snow. Wrapped uh, around the deer. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, going over this too much, but... She... She... she, Strong girl. She's strong girl. Strong, independent woman. She don't need no man. (laughs) (laughs) The sun had set by the time I exited the forest. The sun had set by the time I exited the forest, my knees shaking. My hands, stiff from clenching the legs of the deer, had gone utterly numb miles ago. Not even the carcass could ward off the deepening chill. The world was awash in hues of dark blue, interrupted only by shafts of buttery light escaping from the shuttered windows of our dilapidated, dilapidated cottage. It was like striding through a living painting, a fleeting moment of stillness, the blues swiftly shifting to solid darkness. As I trudged up the path, each step fueled by only by near-dizzying hunger, my sister's voices fluttered out to meet me. 
I didn't need to discern their words to know they likely were chattering, chattering about some young man or the ribbons they'd spotted in the village when they should have been chopping wood. But I smiled a bit nonetheless. See, they didn't even chop the wood. She's been outside all mm-hmm. day hunting, and they didn't even chop the freaking wood. Yeah. Like, freaking ridiculous. Literally did nothing. And, and I mean, uh, it'll come up later on in the book, but um, Elaine actually does gardening. Yeah. But she only gardens flowers. <coughs> what the heck? She couldn't have been growing, oh, I don't know. I mean, vegetables helped provide for your family with your talent. Seeds probably did cost, yeah, you know, a but, couple coins or whatever. But still, like, <coughs> I don't know. Instead of using the little allowance that Feyre gives her, because mm-hmm. she gives them both a little allowance from the stuff she makes for her hunting, mm-hmm. instead of them going out and buying ribbons and dresses after they save up enough, yeah. she could have done that. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the dad. Like, put aside the sisters providing for everybody. Like, yeah, they're children themselves, too. Well, they're not. I she get, is, but... I get the fact that he's low-key handicapped, but... He's still able to walk. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Just, I guess, espresso depresso. I don't know. Did you want me to get you a drink? Huh? No. Okay. <laughs> I just don't know what happened to my Mountain Dew. Please stand by. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, I thought it had been sitting there for a while, so I put it in the trash bag. <laughs> I kicked my boots against the stone door frame, knocking the snow from them. Bits of ice came free from the gray stones of the cottage, revealing the faded ward markings etched around the threshold. My father had once convinced a passing charlatan to trade the engravings against fairy harm in exchange for one of his ord carvings. There was so little that my father was ever able to do for us that I hadn't possessed the heart to tell him the engravings were useless and undoubtedly fake. Mortals didn't possess magic, didn't possess any of the superior strength and speed of the fairies or high fae. The man, claiming some high fae blood in his ancestry, had just carved the whorls and swirls and runes around the door and windows, muttering a few nonsense words, and ambled on his way. I yanked open the wooden door, the frozen iron handle biting my skin like an asp. Heat and light blinded me as I slipped inside. Feyre! Elaine's soft gasp scratched past my ears, and I blinked back at the brightness of the fire to, second, to find my second eldest sister before me. Though she was bundled in a threadbare blanket, her gold-brown hair, the hair all three of us had, was coiled perfectly around her head. Eight years of poverty hadn't stripped from her the desire to look lovely. Where did you get that? The undercurrent of hunger honed her words into a sharpness that had become too common in recent weeks. No mention of the blood on me. I'd long since given up hope of them actually noticing whether I came back from the woods every evening. Oh, she just went to the market and and saw yeah. something. Where um, did you get that? <laughs> as you're holding a bloody animal. With another, I shot it. As you're covered in blood. I, oh, you know, Mark <laughs> down the road just happened to give it to me. What the hell do you think I got it with a bow strung around my back? And Shut all the, the hell bo- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I'd long since given up hope of them actually noticing whether I came back from the woods every evening. Another thing that pisses me off. Yeah. At least until they got hungry again. But then again, my mother hadn't made them swear anything when they stood beside her deathbed. Don't even get me started on that bitch of a mother. Yeah. Don't even get me started. 
<laughs> She's a piece of work. Mommy issues. <laughs> Roger pointed out. Louder for the people in the back. Mother issues. I got it. <laughs> I know, okay. I took a calming breath as I slung the dough off my shoulders. She hit the wooden table with a thud, rattling a ceramic cup on its other end. Where do you think I got it? Yeah, tell her, Feyre. My voice had turned hoarse, each word boring as it came out. My father and Nesta still silently warmed their hands by the hearth, my my eldest sister ignoring him, as usual. I peeled the wolf pelt from the doe's body, and after removing my boots and settled them by the door, I turned to Elaine. Her brown eyes, my father's eyes, remained pinned on the dough. Will it take you long to clean it? Me. Not no! Her, how about you help? <laughs> Me. Not her. Not the others. Yeah. I'd never once seen their hands sticky with blood and fur. I'd only learned to prepare and harvest my kills thanks to the instruction of others. Elaine pushed her hand against her belly, probably as empty and aching as my own. It wasn't that Elaine was cruel. She wasn't like Nesta, who had been born with a sneer on her face. Elaine sometimes just didn't grasp things. Didn't grasp things. (laughs) Hey, it wasn't meanness that kept her from what? Where'd you get that shirt right there? Oh, I don't know. I just found it floating around in the air, and I just plucked it out of the sky and said, Oh, I like you. (laughs) I only said it plucked it out of the air because I got wings on the back. Oh, look at that wingspan. (laughs) Woo! I got the best wingspan. (laughs) Out of us three. (sighs) Well, you know, never mind. I can't say that because it's a spoiler. (laughs) Anyways. It wasn't meanness that kept her from offering to help. It simply never occurred to her that she might be capable of getting her hands dirty. I'd never been able to decide whether she actually didn't understand that we were truly poor, or if she just refused to accept it. It still hadn't stopped me from buying her seeds for the flower garden she tended in the milder months, whenever I could afford it. See, then why didn't Favra? Well, I can understand why. Because she's got... She feels like she has to take care of them and give them what they want, not what they need. Mm Mm-hmm. But Favor could have also bought her actual plants. These ones, like, hey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. plant these, plant these, and but would have Elaine really done that? Since mm, she doesn't... probably would have jumped in front, like, you can't tell her what to do. You're not her mother. Yeah. Also, like, you know, she just stated that getting her hands d- dirty never crossed her mind, so she probably wouldn't have even if they would have bought seeds. Yeah. <sighs> and it hadn't stopped her from <laughs> buying me three small tins of paint, red, yellow, and blue, during. During the same summer, I had enough to buy the Ash Arrow. It was the only gift she'd ever given me, and our house stole, still bore the marks of it, even if the paint was now fading and chipped. Little vines and flowers along the windows and thresholds and edges of things, tiny curls of flame on the stones bordering the hearth. Any spare minute I'd had that bountiful summer, I used to bedeck our house in color, sometimes hiding clever decorations inside drawers, behind the threadbare curtain, underneath the chairs and table. We hadn't had a summer that easy since. Feyre, my father's deep rumble, came from the fire. His dark beard was neatly trimmed, his face spotless, like my sister's. What luck you had today in bringing us such a feast. I love how all three of her family members have been sitting inside the warm house all day. Mm -hmm. 
and not a single one of them has any even a speck of dirt on them. No. And she's literally covered in dirt, snow, and blood. Mm-hmm. And by the way, when are you gonna get that skinned? How long will it take you? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I've just been outside since the sun rose. Hunting for us. I don't think I should go cut wood, do you? Mm, Mm. I would really appreciate it. (laughs) I think the fire can do that itself, right? Oh, something's got to be doing it. Probably (laughs) Feyre. (sighs) (laughs) From beside my father, Nesta snorted. Not surprising, any bit of praise for anyone, me, Elaine, other villagers, usually resulted in her dismissal. And any word from our father usually resulted in her ridicule as well. I straightened. Almost too tired to stand, but braced a hand on the table beside the dough as I shot Nesta a glare. Of us, Nesta had taken the loss of our fortune the hardest. She had quietly resented my father from the moment we fled our manor. Even after that awful day, one of the creditors had come to show us just how displeased he was at the loss of his investment. But at least Nesta didn't fill our heads with useless talk of regaining our wealth like my father. No, she just spent whatever money I didn't hide from her, and rarely bothered to acknowledge my father's limping presence at all. Some days, I couldn't tell which of us was the most wretched wretched, wretched and bitter. We can eat half the meat this week, I said, shifting my gaze to the dough. The deer took up the entirety of the rickety table that served as our dining area, workspace, and kitchen. We can dry the other half, I went on, knowing that... No matter how nicely I phrased it, I'd still do the bulk of it. And I'll go to the market tomorrow to see how much I can get for the hides. Way to go, Farah. Yeah. I finished. More than myself. More to myself than to them. No one bothered to confirm they'd heard me, anyway. My father's ruined leg was stretched out before him, as close to the fire's heat as it could get. The cold, or the rain, or a change in temperature always aggravated the vicious, twisted wounds around his knee. His simply carved cane was propped up against his chair, a cane he'd made for himself, and that Nesta was sometimes prone to leaving far out of his reach. He could find work if he wasn't so ashamed, Nesta always said when I hissed about it. She hated him for the injury, too, for not fighting back when the creditor and his thugs had burst into the cottage and smashed his knee again and again. Nesta and Elaine had fled into the bedroom, barricading the door. I had stayed, begged and weeped through every scream of my father, every crunch of bone. I'd soiled myself, and then vomited right on the stones before the, earth, before the hearth. Only then did the men leave. They never saw them again. Which, Nesta and Elaine just went to the room and barricaded it, and just left their baby sister out there. Mm-hmm. This was eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Favor was 11 years old. Mm-hmm. You know where I was at 11? <laughs> I was just now Not getting... hunting. <laughs> what were you doing at 11? We won't go into that. <laughs> what were you doing at 11? What was I doing at 11? Playing outside with my shadow. Oh, yeah. Okay. <sighs> I mean... Okay. At the age of 10, I would have been horseback riding. But... Mm. At the age of 11, I would have been just now getting adopted by dad. Mm-hmm. Very fragile. No wonder she threw up. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thunder, by the way. Yes, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's storming outside. 
We'd used a massive chunk of our remaining money to pay for the healer. It had taken my father six months to even walk, a year before he could go a mile. The coppers he brought in when someone pitied him enough to buy his wood carvings were enough to keep us fed. Five years ago, when the money was well and truly gone, when my father still couldn't, wouldn't move about much, he hadn't argued when I announced that I was going hunting. Okay, so it's been five years, so she's been hunting since she was 14. Mm. Which I'm pretty sure was said at one point, but I couldn't remember because I thought the mouth was getting all wonky, and I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. But still, like, at 14? Yeah. At 14, I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. I was awkward. Super awkward. Yeah. Didn't know how to make friends. Didn't know how to cope. Yeah, I was just... Society. (laughs) Yeah. I was literally a bookworm. All I did was read. Mm -hmm. He hadn't bothered to attempt to stand from his seat by the fire. Hadn't bothered to look up from his wood carving. He just let me walk into those deadly, eerie woods that even the most seasoned hunters were wary of. He'd become a little more aware now, sometimes offered signs of gratitude, sometimes hobbled all the way into town to sell his carvings, but not much. I sometimes wonder, like, what would have happened? If he would have actually tried? No, like, if Farah had actually been killed, <clears throat> eaten, and, like, she had never come back, like, what would have happened to They would have died. Like, nobody would have tried? Nobody? At this point, I genuinely don't think any of them would have tried. They would have all become even more depressed and more, like... I feel like Nesta probably would for a for while. For Elaine, that's it, though. Yeah. She would have left her father to starve. Yeah. She would have only tried for Elaine. Because God knows at this point she only cares about Elaine and herself. Mm-hmm. I'd love a new cloak, Elaine said at last with a sigh. At the same moment, Nesta rose and declared, I need a new pair of boots. I kept quiet, knowing better than to get in the middle of one of their arguments. But I glanced at Nesta's still shiny pair by the door. Beside hers, my two small boots were falling apart at the seams, held together only by fraying laces. Okay, I think that's also bullshit. I think that the person who goes out into the snow every day should have the most high-quality stuff so that way the person who is the provider can keep providing. Mm-hmm. She can't very well keep providing if she's losing toes. Mm-hmm. Well, who cares? They don't even... They don't. They don't care. But I'm freezing with my raggedy old cloak, Elaine pleaded. I'll shiver to death. She fixed her white eyes on me and said, Please, Feyre. She drew out the two syllables of my name, Feyre into the most hideous whine I'd ever endured, and Nesta loudly clicked her tongue before ordering her to shut up. Feyre. Please, <laughs> Feyre! Ew, that just sounds disgusting. Why? Um, at this point, and really most of Nesta's whole existence in the book, I know there's a soft spot for you. Yeah. But Nesta honestly reminds me of my ex-best friend. So much. Like, the way she treats Elaine and Feyre is the exact same way that she, that my ex-best friend would treat her little sister and me. So. Hmm. That is why I have a hard time sympathizing with Nesta so much sometimes. It's just because, like... Because of that bitch. The behavior is so uncanny. It's like... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Continue. (laughs) 
I drowned them out as they began quarreling over who would get the money the hide would fetch tomorrow and found my father now standing at the table, one hand braced against it to support his weight as he inspected the deer. His attention slid to the giant wolf pelt. His fingers, still smooth and gentlemanly, turned over the pelt and traced a line through the bloody underside. I tensed. His dark eyes flicked to mine. Feyre, he murmured, and his mouth became a tight line. Where did you get this? The same place I got the deer, I replied with equal quiet, my words cruel and sharp. His gaze traveled over the bow and the quiver strapped to my back, the wood-hilted hunting knife at my side. His eyes turned damp. Feyre, the risk. I jerked my chin at the pelt, unable to keep the snap from my voice as I said, I had no other choice. Yeah. What I really wanted to say was, you don't even bother to attempt to love the house, to leave the house most days. Were it not for me, we would starve. Were it not for me, we'd be dead. Feyre, he repeated and closed his eyes. My sisters had gone quiet and I looked up in time to see Nesta crinkle her nose with a sniff. She picked at my cloak. You stink like a pig covered in its own filth. Can you at least try to pretend that you're not an ignorant peasant? I didn't let the sting and ache show. I'd been too young to learn more than the basics of manners and reading and writing when our family had fallen into misfortune, and she'd never let me forget it. She stepped back to run a finger over the braided coils of her golden, gold-brown hair. Take those disgusting clothes off. I took my time, swallowing the words I wanted to bark back at her. Older than me by three years, she somehow still, she somehow looked younger than I did. Her golden cheeks always flushed with a delicate, vibrant pink. Can you make a pot of hot water and add wood to the fire? But even as I asked, I noticed the wood pile. There were only five logs left. I thought you were going to chop wood today. Nesta picked her long, neat nails. I hate chopping wood. I always get splinters. She glanced up from beneath her dark lashes. Of all of us, Nesta looked the most like our mother, especially when she wanted something. Besides, Feyre, she said with a pout, you're so much better at it. It takes you half the time it takes me. Your hands are suited for it. They're already so rough. <laughs> Brings back so many memories. <laughs> okay, so that would mean that Nesta's 22 mm-hmm. and that Elaine's probably 21 or 20. I just can't imagine, 21. like, I mean, I guess I can because, like, literally my, my ex-ex-friend did the same thing. Like, she was Nesta's age and acting like a child, mm-hmm. just like Nesta is. But, like, I can't imagine. <laughs> you okay? You need to go get to the doctor? You need to go get tested? I'm sorry, that's not in your sensitivity. No, you're good. Okay. Um, yeah, like, I mean, it's hard for me to, like, picture that, but at the same time, like, I could never be like that. Like, hey... You're suited for this type of work, but even though I've had it, I've had it, I've had it, <laughs> I've had this, like, she's having a stroke, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I've had the same things said to me before, like, you were meant for that kind of work, so it's like, gross, yeah, yeah, mmm, good times, yeah, my jaw clenched, please, I asked, calming my breathing, knowing an argument was the last thing I needed or wanted, Please get up at dawn to chop that wood. I unbuttoned the top of my tunic, or we'll be eating a cold breakfast. Her brows narrowed. I will do no such thing. But I was already walking towards the small second room where my sisters and I slept. Elaine murmured a soft plea to Nesta, which earned her a hiss in response. 
I glanced over my shoulder at my father and pointed to the deer. Get the knives ready, I said, not bothering to sound pleasant. I'll be out soon. Without waiting for an answer, I shut the door behind me. The room was large enough for a rickety dresser and the enormous ironwood bed we slept in, the sole remnant of our former wealth. It had been ordered as a wedding gift from my father to my mother. It was the bed in which we'd been born and the bed in which my mother died. In all the paintings I'd done of our house these past years, I'd never touched it. I slung off my outer clothes onto the sagging dresser, frowning at the violets and roses I'd painted around the knobs of Elaine's drawer, the crackling flames I'd painted around Nestus, and the night sky, whirls of yellow stars standing in for white around mine. I'd done it to brighten the otherwise dark room. They'd never commented on it. I don't know why I'd ever expected them to. Groaning, it was all I could do to keep from collapsing onto the bed. Okay. So. A lot, of, a lot of thoughts. A lot of thoughts. The whole let's, fish. The that's not the end fish. of the chapter, but we don't have much time left for the yeah. episode. So let's go ahead and... Collaborate our thoughts. Let's go ahead and talk about this. Okay. So. It is serious <laughs> Dr. Phil time. Dr. <laughs> Phil time. It honestly just absolutely amazes me. That it's an unpopular opinion, but... For me, personally, I feel like Elaine gets away with way too much. Mm -hmm. Like, even throughout the entire series. Spoiler warnings for the series if you haven't already read it, but there will be spoilers. Ah! Bless you. <laughs> Excuse me. But there will bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But there will be major spoilers for this series, because yeah. we are just talking about the whole series altogether. Yes. But throughout the entire series... Elaine gets forgiven because she's Elaine, you know? She's Elaine, sweet. she's the soft-spoken, yeah. sweet one. So she gets forgiven about it. About everything that she didn't help Thera do. Mm -hmm. But Nesta, doing the exact same thing, still gets a lot of hate from mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. Which, yes, they both should get the hate from it. But it's because she's Nesta and she's more outspoken and a little and more brutish and harsh mm -hmm. that everyone hates her for it. Like, yes, she did more than Elaine did because of the harsh words. But it's just, it's not... Elaine gets away with way too much. And it frankly pisses me off. Because even later on in the book, Rhysand says, you know, I can't hate you because you're Elaine. But he makes it blatantly clear to mm -hmm. Nesta that she is not wanted nor and not welcome in mm -hmm. the later books. Yes, she does somewhat deserve those words, but Elaine gets simply forgiven because she's Elaine. Yeah. Like that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. I think it's I think Elaine should be held way more accountable too. You know? Elaine way more in their yeah. All three of them should have been held a little bit more accountable for, like, the trauma, probably, that... I mean, Feyre has been providing for her family for five years. Four mm -hmm. years. I, five years. And I just... Elaine gets away with way too much. Mm -hmm. Just because she's sweet. <laughs> That's all your thoughts on it, Sadina? Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just... Mm -hmm. I agree totally. She does remind me a lot of, like, a doe-eyed deer in the headlights a lot of the time just kind of like oh yeah where'd you get Pretty that color yeah. like, well it's just like... i mean it kind of just goes into conjunction with later on 
with. We already said there's going to be spoiler warnings. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because of how she's going to end up being of what she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She's kind of leading up to that anyway. But, yeah, but still. But, like, it, she still should be held accountable. She still should be, have yes. been an adult. Like, yes, I get they're all very young at this point. That's, like, telling me that I... But, like, I... I'm an adult. I, you know... That'd be, like, me. Mm-hmm. Like, Elaine is, like, me. Like, mm-hmm. I... Right now, if I was in this situation, I'd be helping. I'd be yeah. doing everything I could. I'd be going to garden. I'd be going to the markets. I I would lower myself so low, even, if it was to provide for me and my sisters, that I would beg on my knees people to give me anything they could yeah. give me. Mm-hmm. But these two, they just, all three of them just don't even care. Yeah. And the fact that Nesta told her to, like, stop acting like a peasant mm-hmm. and that she smelled like a pig covered in its own filth. Yes. She's been out there breaking herself for five years to yeah. provide for them. And that's the way she talks to her for it? Mm-hmm. Where's the gratitude? Yeah. Like, honestly. Like, she's been out there hunting, like, all day. The la- I'm sure the last thing that she, I mean, I, okay, coming home from work. I'm like, man, I just want to take a nap, you know, and chill and not do anything. But, you know, it doesn't really even, like, go into how long Feyre was, like, hunting. And then she has to come home to her ungrateful family. A couple days, probably. Yeah, probably. Like, she has to come home to her ungrateful family. And, you know, after hunting for so long, she has to sit there and, you know... Cut up the meat, you know, whatever Deal she with had. It. Yeah. And... Like, I feel like the least the father could have done, since he should be the one to skin up the animal and help with, like, the cooking and stuff, since he's not able to go out into town mm-hmm. and he can just stay at the house because of his leg, he could still help around the house, right. learning how to skin and cook and cut up the animal yeah. properly, because Elaine and Nesta can go to town and get freaking jobs. Mm-hmm. Prostitution. I mean, <laughs> no. Oh my goodness no, gracious. Just kidding. Obviously. <laughs> but like literally, Elaine could have could be do all this time. She could be out yeah. there working on the garden all day, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Nesta, least she could have done was shop the freaking wood. Yeah. She wants a she wants favor to do that on top of her going and hunting all day long. Mm-hmm. <sighs> But it, it still shows you how good of a person Feyre is for not starting an argument about all of that, too. Mm-hmm. But at that point, you also have to realize being a good person and still being able to stick up for yourself is still good, too. Just because I feel like at this point, yes, she is very strong to be going out and doing that, but she's also way too non-confrontational mm-hmm. at this point because she's so beaten down and exhausted by her family. Right. So, But I feel like she's needs to start sticking up for herself a little bit as well you know Mm -hmm. like be like no i'm gonna be the sole provider y'all are gonna listen to me Mm -hmm. like you will start a garden you will chop the wood you will learn how to skin the animals right and you will help you know yeah like it's not just gonna all be left up to me while you all just sit here all day Mm -hmm. if we're all gonna survive we're all gonna survive together Right, we're all going to do our part. We're all going to do our part, otherwise... That's only fair. Literally it is, especially since she's the youngest. Well, I think it also, like, um, goes into, like, it shows, like, how much of a a good author Sarah is. She is that, too. 
if it were me, obviously, since I'm, like, a people pleaser, I would just, like, write all the characters, like, good. <laughs> Maybe, like, an occasional bad guy. But, like, all of her characters... Are in-depth yeah, characters. And they have, like, background that makes them, like, the hard stuff that they had to go through kind of, like, makes them into a better person. I mean, yeah, like, definitely. This, like, because they're strong, because they've gone through all this stuff. The hardships. The yeah. hardships. Yeah. The hard shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, yeah. Good, good one and a half chapters. Yeah. I, it takes me so long when I read stuff out loud. Mm-hmm. If I read it in my head, I would have already been to, like, chapter 15 or right. something. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I read, I read pretty fast, but out, out loud, it's just, like, stumbling over every word, but. <laughs> yeah, I would make. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But, anywho, yeah, good, good talk. You have any thoughts? I feel like you talked the least in these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is like because I, I was much. really just <laughs> listening to the rereading because it's it has been a little bit since I yeah since I listened like, to I, the first books and so I was like probably been about a year and a half. I honestly forgot what went on in the first book. Yeah. So, in the first couple chapters was actually kind of the most boring for me until mm-hmm. she. Ends up getting where she's going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you she's doing. You and you're trying not to spoil things. It's going to confuse the people. But it's fine. It's fine. Everybody who do... Who do... <laughs> Everybody who do is know what could be going on. We're in the south down here. We talk how we want. <laughs> Everyone who does know what's going on is... They Following are, you know, along with everything yes. you say very yeah. well. Yes. Yeah, they and understand like, exactly what you're saying. Get on you, mate, but not <laughs> spoiling the book for us. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Anyways, so go ahead and let us know your thoughts. Yeah. You know? We'll try to put some more questionnaires in the uh, description of the podcast. And um, for those of you who have read Akatar, you know, like whatever questions we put in there, you know, may- be sure to give us some feedback, you know. Yeah, and definitely, definitely, you can ask us questions, too, that we'll try to answer during the podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. We do appreciate uh, video comments as well. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and maybe we will uh, figure out how to dual cast someone on a video. That way we can ask them questions and they can answer, think about what their opinions of the book or if they're going to read the book or not. Yeah, for sure. But anyways, all right. Well, we will see you guys next week. Next week's episode is going to be a true crime. And we've already got subject for next week's true crime podcast episode uh, for Casey Anthony. Casey yes. Anthony. It's going to um, be very controversial. Very, very widely known case. Yes, it is. We can't stand her. Oh, my but. God. Hate that woman in this house. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week. And, uh, yeah. and also, sorry for this <laughs> episode being late. We yes. only got home after five. <laughs> had a little bit of a girls' day. That's fine. Yeah, we ate lots of sushi. Lots mm-hmm. of sushi. It had a lot of food coma induced yeah, we just kind of sat around for an hour after we got home, just holding our stomachs and everything. Yep. <laughs> yep. We had sushi, and then we had Starbucks, so it was a great day. Yeah. But just go ahead and let us know what you think. And that's this week on... The, the Serial Squad! Squad. Woo! <laughs>